We all said amen and amen. Well, what a joy it is to share the word. Again, if you want to scan, no one's scanning, but I do have really good notes. There's eight pages of notes, and you can go back and rip them apart, disagree, agree, make them your own. Um, But this is called Transformation Plan. And I just want to try to do my very best to give some language for our cultural moment that we're in. I always feel that burden to speak to what some of us are thinking, feeling. And so this week, I told my wife, um, uh, like I said, most of the times after a prayer run, I'm ready to change the world. And for that, as a preacher, teacher, prayer person, that usually means like, who am I going to preach to? You know, I'm soaked, I'm sweaty. And uh, so here is after much tempering and prayer and thoughtfulness, this is a morning run thought that just exploded in my heart that I wanted to share with our church family. All in favor, say aye. Aye. So what is God's transformation plan? And by the way, I am heavily influenced this week, heavily influenced this week by a guy called Bill Bright. Who's heard of Bill Bright? Raise your hand. He is the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. It's a small little ministry that's been to like 220 nations and sent missionaries like basically on every college campus in the world. I'm reading his biography and it's just, I'm reading it and putting it on my chest saying, God, I want what this guy carries. I want to believe that the Great Commission, God's, God's transformation plan would become so central to my thinking my time, treasure, talent, what I think about, how I live, what I give the strength of my life to and the weakness of my life to. And so I'm admittedly heavily influenced by this dude who just believed Jesus wanted to do what his word said. Did you know all the great people we read about in biblical history and in church history are those who, they had the same book. They had the same Bible. They had the same Holy Spirit. They had the same God and Father. They had the same King Jesus But some people are just brainwashed to believe he still wants to do what he said he would do. And Bill Bright was one of those who's just become my hero, like adopted him and Dick Eastman. Look them both up. You can Google them. They they lead uh, small ministries, Every Home for Christ. They've handed out three billion tracts all over the world and then Campus Crusade for Christ. And Bill Bright was uh, Dick Eastman's um, mentor and coach. So I'm reading both of those guys this week. So I'm just like... Oh, watch out, Radiant. Here we go. So let's just make this small and simple and strategic, and let's let this unfold for us in the grace of God. So I was just thinking about how do you change the world? As believers, we should think about that. Now, we're in a political season, amen? And so part of, like I said last week, the luxury of being in a a democratic uh, Governing structures that we actually get to participate literally in shaping our cities, our regions, you know, with our votes and our our prayer, our participation. Um, does that make sense? And that's so so that, like all of us were already thinking about that this last week during ballot. And like, how do we change the world for good? But as believers, we don't just think about it every two years. We're supposed to think about it every day. Right. So we're going to change the world by by voting and participating and praying and praise God that we get to live in America and participate in that. We just celebrated Veterans Day for those who serve and sacrifice so that we can live in this incredible country. And so that's that's been on our mind. How do we change the world? How do we get our guy or our gal, our party or our policies? And and, and those are good. What What a luxury to get to participate in that process. Unbelievable blessing. But as a believer, I don't want to just think about how to change the world for good once or twice every couple years. 
Every day is an opportunity to participate with God's heart for the world to be changed and transformed through the love and grace of his son, Jesus. All in favor, say aye. I know we all know this, but none of us hardly live it if we're honest with you. That's what I'm trying to get at. So, so first I wanna, just, I wanna just take us, God's vision for humanity was that we would be blessed because we were hooked up to the source of blessing him. How many know that was God's original design? He blessed them to be fruitful and multiply, to rule and subdue, to guide and to govern all of creation under his sovereign, good, amazing leadership. God wanted and wants to bless humanity, but that blessing is found by being in alignment with him. Amen. Amen? So we know this in Psalm chapter one. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. But those who delight in the law of the Lord, who meditates on it day and night, that person, say that person, person. is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Read that last sentence for me. Whatever they do prospers. How are we doing so far? Radio Central Coast. Who wants that to be true of you? Four of you. The other of you guys need to wake up right now. Not look at he says. Lest it just, we think that applies to everyone. He says, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So here we are, Psalm 1, one of the great books of the Bible. It's been the worship book and the prayer book for the church since it was written and for Israel. But there's really just two options. When we think about life, Choosing the life of the way of righteousness, which is the way of blessing, or choosing the way of the wicked. Now, no one wakes up and is like, the way of the wicked, man. I want my tree to wither. I don't want to bear fruit, right? This is so stupid, but none of us does that, right? I guess some people do. Okay, turn to your neighbor and say, don't be that person. But let me show you how it happens. No one wake, no, by and large, there are a handful that maybe just wake up and go, I want to be a ruthless loser, mean, I want to wither, I don't want to have any fruit. Maybe some people think that. But look at this. So here's the, here's the, here's the, the, the ascent towards the way of righteousness, the way of flourishing. Read it with me. Delighting in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night, then will bear fruit and prosper. Who wants option number one? every hand raised but look at the slippery slope of sin again no one wakes up and they're like i want to choose the way of the wicked let me show you how insidious it is and how it happens it's the slippery slope of sin first you start out walking in the way of the wicked maybe i maybe i am maybe i'd be better than god at ruling my own world so you just you start entertaining some thoughts right did god really say hello genesis 3 the first thing he's got to do is get you to doubt god's word and then he's got to get you to doubt God's goodness. He knows if you eat the fruit, you'll be just like him. So then we got to paint God into a false caricature. Then his truth as revealed in scripture. So it starts with walking. Look at the pattern. Again, no one, I want to be wicked. No, I just we just start dabbling, walking, entertaining, opening ourselves. I wonder, hmm, maybe I am better, smarter. Maybe God's holding it. But look what happens. Then you begin to stand. So now you're not moving. Now you're, uh-oh. And look at the motion. Now you're sitting in the company of the wicked. You see how it, the chain, the slippery slope. Again, no one, yay, I don't want to flourish. I don't want to be a fruit. No one. But what happens is 
we begin to open ourselves up and entertain thoughts that are not in line with God's word. Again, that's why the, the path of the righteous and of blessing, they love God's word, they meditate on it, chew on it, and then they bear fruit no matter the circumstance or situation or season. And so the reality is this, you have two choices. Choose the way of righteousness or choose the way of wickedness. So when we think about God's grand plan to transform the world, realize you are dealing with every person you'll see this week. They're choosing one of those two paths, whether they know they're choosing it or not. Everyone say you're either on one of two paths, the way of righteous, which is the way of blessing or the way of wickedness where you nah, where you're walking and then you're standing. And then we see this in our generation. Now you're sitting in the seat of the mocker. Isaiah five calls it. This is that it, it, um, it's not just in Isaiah 5, it's in multiple places, that's sufficient, especially in Romans chapter 132. But the problem is that when, when you're so inundated with choosing that which you are naming as your own good, your own true, your own, wick, your own right, is that you're, you're sitting in this place and now you're not just uh, approving of things that are out of step with God's law and God's word. Now you're applauding those around you who are choosing what you're choosing as well. That's Romans 132, that's our generation, that's where we live. And so to summarize again, just these first two slides, blessings or curses, you living a human-centered life or a God-centered life. And look what it says in Jeremiah the prophet. This is what the Lord says, cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wasteland. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. I would love to buy real estate there. <laughs> no one thinks that. And we think it's just insidious. Oh, that, no, it's just drawing. It's just being human centered instead of God centered. What was so bad about when Peter told Jesus after he said, hey, I'm the Messiah. Good, Peter. Holy Spirit showed you that. My father, not man. Way to go. You're awesome. I'm going to build my whole thing on that confession that Christ is Messiah. And then when Jesus is like, oh, and by the way, I'm not the kind of Messiah you think I am. I'm going to go to the cross and die and pay for the sins of the world and be raised triumphant. And so that I have the name above every other name that I will sit on a throne that can never be shaken and rule a kingdom that will outlast all of the other kingdoms. When, when Jesus tells the boys that, Peter's like, no, you're not dying. No way. I'm riding your curtail all the way to Jerusalem to your right hand of power. What does, what does Jesus say to him? You're not mindful of the things of God. You're mindful of the things of man. So he actually literally just quoted it. But before he said that, he actually said, get behind me, Satan. So when we think of satanic, we think of whatever you think of. I just got goosebumps when I said it because you said, we think, ooh, the oogie baggity baggity terrible people. But literally, he's like, get behind me, Satan. Why? You're human-centered, not God-centered. So you're agreeing with the enemy that humans are at the center, not God. That's the root of the fall. That's the root of every other sin, every ideology agenda that destroys people instead of builds them up and blesses them in the way of the righteous. But it's rooted in, you're not dying, Jesus. I'm riding your fame all the way to glory, dude. Woo! And he's like, get behind me, Satan. You're consumed just with man's thoughts, not God's thoughts. So who thinks they come under the influence of the enemy on a regular basis because you're thinking about you first instead of God first? All of us can be guilty of that sometimes. So no, hey, who wants to buy real estate? I got a realtor after service coming. 
It's called Palm Springs. I'm kidding. I'm joking. It's called whatever the hot desert is, the Mojave. I don't know. Indio. Indio. Thank you. Indio. Bakersfield. I'm kidding. No Bakersfield people. I know I got too close to home. I got too close to home. Father, in the name of Jesus, forgive me. But look here. So here we are back at Psalm 1. This is just Jeremiah's version. Jeremiah is stealing from the psalmist. They're allowed to do that as biblical writers. Look at this. Who wants to buy real estate here? But bless, someone say, but blessed. So blessings and curses, righteousness or wickedness. Two choices. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Look at that language. Whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water. I love this language that sends out its roots by the stream. Read this last part with me. Man, someone needs to hear this last sentence. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Oh my gosh. Who, who wants real estate here? <laughs> Purchase price. Trust and confidence in the Lord. You see the, You see it. So when I think about, okay, we're in, you know, transformation mindset. How do we change the world? Well, first we have to say, what path am I on? Because I'm either contributing to life or death. Everybody say amen. That's just, it, there's just no debating. It, I know life is complex, but at its core, there's some very simple principles that impact all the other complexities. The way of the righteous, the way of the wicked. Trusting in man as the center, as the sovereign, as the source or trusting in God and putting our confidence in him. So you, see, so you see what I'm saying? When we look at people that are different than us, that they don't confess the lordship of Jesus, and we, but no one woke up going, I'm going to rewrite all of the boundaries and barriers of human history handed down to us for thousands of years. It just starts with walking in the council of the wicked. Then I stand in the company of sinners, and then I'm sitting in a seat of a mocker, and now I'm going to get there. I don't want to give it away. So here's what happens. Psalm 1 paints the picture of the righteous man or the wicked man or righteous woman, wicked woman. So what happens, we could just go into the nursery and see what happens. <laughs> what happens when you got a bunch of people gathered together choosing the way of the wicked over the way of the righteous? It's called the human experience, experiment. Look what happens. Psalm 2, why do the nations rage? So look, what is the psalmist doing from the, the righteous person now he's talking about nations. It's the micro to the macro. Woo. So what happens when you get a bunch of people who want to choose to be, who walk in the way of sinners, who stand in the seat of, who, who walk in the way of the wicked, who stand in the way of sinners and who are sitting in the seat of a mocker, who've chosen to be their own center. Look what happens. They rage. They plot in vain. The kings of the earth rise up. The rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointing saying, read it with me. Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. Whereas the law of God, God's counsel, God's wisdom, God's ways, it's his gift to humanity so that by walking in it, it leads to life. But how insidious sin is, that thing that he gave to us for our own good, because he's the architect of this little thing called life. But when we are the center and we cast it off, look at how gnarly sin is. We're throwing it off. Like, break those. What, what is a gift to humanity becomes shackles because I'm the center. 
Are we tracking? Say amen if you're tracking. This is, I, this is not, it's a little deep, but you get it. So, so what happens when, now you're not just dealing with, that's a righteous person or a wicked person. Now you're like, let's zoom out. This is the collective throwing off. And what we are experiencing right now, it's always been the case throughout human history. But in, in our time, we are seeing an accelerated, rapid pace throwing off. And many of us are like, what do I hold on to? Oh, God. Come on, am I talking about yeah. anybody? Oh, God. Everyone's throwing it off. Everyone's throwing it off. And what I want to do as your pastor and as your brother in the kingdom of God is remind you of your unshakable center. And to come back and to double, triple, quadruple, infinity down on banking on the goodness of God and the grace of Christ and his glory in the earth being manifest at the end of the age. It's going to cost us. We're going to probably give our lives someday. But Jesus told us we would. And so I've just as as a pastor, as just an intercessor, as a person of God, all week, I'm like, okay, God, I want to give us the unshakable center. And I'm super intense. So maybe you're not even thinking about this junk. You're like, dude, I'm just trying to make it. Well, I'm giving you like the big how to make it, how to make it. So there's so we're in the midst of a collective throwing off. So here's what we're experiencing. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness since they since what may be known about God is plain to them because God made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been, read it with me, clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. I'll read so that the people are without excuse. But look what happened. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became uh, futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Sound familiar? Say aye. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings, birds and animals, reptiles, etc. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. So I want you again. So the psalmist showed us the slippery soap and it also showed us the mountain to blessing. Slope, mountain. But look what Romans, again, copying Psalm 1 and Jeremiah 17. It starts with the suppression of truth. I don't want to hear that. Just keep that. That's old. That's what we progressed. We're, like, we're, we're, we're past that in the evolutionary process. That's old religion. Doesn't apply. See, there's a suppression. Then what happens? Even though we know God, we don't glo- say glorify or thank so we don't give him the glory that he's worthy of. I was, I was telling my daughter, we went yesterday. What, where did I take her? Oh, we went to an uh, engagement party. She asked me some big gnarly question that was unanswerable. And my, something, I, I'm forgetting the source of the question, but I took her to this fact of, maybe it was like, why do we worship or whatever? I, it was something really big like that. I'm forgetting, sorry. Um, but my, my, one of our conversations, again, this is my 10-year-old, is, the only reason my lungs are expanding and my heart is beating is because someone is keeping me alive and offering me an opportunity to breathe air and to live and to have cognizant thoughts and to drive a car. And it's so when it talks about not glorifying him, we have to understand how, how many know we are fragile beings, mortal, frail. He knows our frame. So that not only do we not glorify him as the giver and sustainer, we don't thank him for it. Come on, somebody. 
Then look with that. Number, number three, claiming to be wise, but becoming fools. So now let's erase God out of the storyline. Let's name our own truth. And look, this is the wisdom. This is the script you're supposed to live out of. Meanwhile, depression, anxiety, suicide, brokenness, all time high in our nation. So how is the narrative of wisdom working for the wisdom according to our own design and our own wisdom? And then here's, I told my wife this, yesterday we had an amazing talk as a couple preparing for marriage class, trying to get extra credit, get ahead. (laughs) Um, I told my sweetheart this yesterday afternoon as I was just praying about this talk and I was like, sweetheart, the most terrifying thing that God does, he does, he's done it throughout Israel's history, Judah's history and throughout church history. The most terrifying thing God could ever do is to give us what we want. You don't want to live with reverence for me or with reference to me. Okay. There you go. Oh, it's the, it's terrifying. It's, and this is what you see when you read the news articles throughout your week and you see. (laughs) What? God's like, I'll give you what you want. There you go. When God gives us over, we are full at that moment. First of all, we're always at the mercy of God. But at that moment, we are fully at the mercy of God. Here's what Ephesians says. I tell you this and insist on it. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance, say ignorance, that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So you don't just wake up dumb. It is a process towards, by dumb, I don't mean it in any slanderous way. I literally mean exchanging the wisdom of God for lies. That's dumb. Like, and then now I'm the center and, hey, you should live out of this narrative, this cancel, like, you, let, it, 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 it's, it, you can't put any weight on it. It just cracks, it crumbles. There's no center. And so the ignorance is because of the hardening. Everyone say that. The ignorance is because of the hardening of the heart. Again, Way of the righteous, way of the wicked. Cursed is the man who draws strength just from mere man. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. It's back to that first psalm. But look what happens. This is what's terrifying. As an intercessor, again, altar builder, I'm crying out. This is why I'm on college campuses now. And I want to be everywhere. I can't be everywhere. We're just doing what we can. Verse 19, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they're full of lust or greed. That's the Greek. It's just this craving for more. Our generation. Just, I need it. I need it. In fact, today I had spiritual warfare when I saw that Amazon was already doing 50% Black Fridays. I'm like, I'm not clicking on that before church. Tomorrow at 10 a.m. I'll see what's for sale, but not this morning when I'm trying to press in for this word about transforming the world. Get behind me, consumerism. I need bigger, better, brighter, more... I'm being facetious because this is a heavy word. <laughs> Friends, this is why we're crying out, trying to build these altars of worship with the word of prayer, intercession. Because if, if a generation loses sensitivity, you can't reason. And this is the effect. This is the slope of what I've been trying to unpack in Psalm 1 and then Jeremiah 17. You do that long enough. You harden your heart. You say no to God's will, wisdom, and ways in the name of love or acceptance or tolerance. And then you rebuild a framework without reverence for or reference to God. 
which is called foolishness, as the Bible describes it. You do that long enough, your sensitivity to truth wanes. Your, your ignorance is the byproduct of hardening of heart. So when we talk about us, okay, most of you, I know most of your stories, almost everyone in this room is probably a believer. Almost everyone, probably. But this still applies, like sensitivity. So, so you're sensitive to God's word. Maybe you've not abandoned biblical orthodoxy, but you're not sensitive to his presence because you're so discouraged right now, so cynical. You're like, what's the use? So how many know sensitivity is this big umbrella? How many want to be sensitive to everything that's got on God's heart, God's mind, God's will? So this is like the, 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 the furthest extreme, losing sensitivity to right and wrong, to light and darkness, to truth and untruth. But I'm just telling you, friends, we are living in an hour. We need every believer engaging with God, crying out for his mercy to restore sensitivity and to break through this hardening of heart and ignorance and futility of thinking so that God can give young people, old people, in-between people, a moment of awareness so that the truth of the gospel can be planted and they can come back and experience life that they're reaching for in a million iterations but never failing to come up empty. Do we understand the hour in which we live? We're in this hour. We're in this hour. And it's, it's easy to name and blame and shame, but there's another alternative for people of God. We go up so that God can release mercy so that people can be restored to a sense of sensitivity so that when the gospel is communicated or truth might happen across their eardrums, they go, I've only heard the echo of that. Now I'm hearing it. I'm hearing the real thing. Does that make sense? Who's got a prayer point this week? Lord, restore the sensitivity of a generation. Who could pray that this week? Set an alarm. Set 10 alarms. Lord, Pastor Chad gave us this weird verse in Ephesians about futility and ignorance and hardening and sensitivity. But who wants to bolt onto this prayer point? Lord, sensitivity, just the awareness. This is, so, this is my cry. Why I run, Lord, Lord, let your kingdom come on the central coast. Lord, we just pray there'd be an awareness, there'd be an alertness that we would hear you. We'd be attentive. So, so what do we do if all of our sensitivity is gone? We love all the wrong things in all the wrong ways. Mark this, there'll be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And here's what's the worst part, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Have nothing to do with such people. So what happens if we lose all sensitivity? We love all the wrong things in all the wrong ways. Number, th- number two, now and then we're no longer willing to listen to truth. Look at this verse. In the presence of God and of Christ who will judge the living and the dead and in view of his appearing in kingdom, I give you this charge. This is Paul to a young pastor in a mega city. Preach the word. Ah. Be prepared in season and now. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come, read it with me, when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. When you lose sensitivity, you love all the wrong things in all the wrong ways to all the wrong extremes. And then you're in this place that's so cloudy and confused. Now it's your truth. And now it's like, don't even bug me about the house I built, the narrative I bought. Just 
Just don't bother me. Again, this is accelerated in our time, but it's nothing new. Go read all of Isaiah 30. I lived in it this uh, last week. Oh, Isaiah 30, write it down. No one's writing. Praise God, it's a good chapter. But it's the same thing that Israel did. Stop, prophets, stop telling us. Just stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. We're good. And what Isaiah says, it's like a high cracked wall that's bulging. And there's this river of God's wrath and judgment behind the cracked wall that you built because you stopped being willing to listen to truth. Oh, it's a good chapter. It's sobering, but it's good. Now, like I said, none of this is unprecedented. This is a part of the Bible. This is a 2,000 year old document I'm reading. But what we're seeing with the dawn of technology and social media, et cetera, is that it is accelerating. And there's an urgency in this hour. Amen. Amen. There's an urgency. It's not an urgency to grow, to grow weary. It's not an urgency to just lose your marbles. It's, it's an urgency to discover again the truth claims of Jesus and his word, what it is we're building on. And then just saying, Lord, I want to live out of your story, not the stories that are being told in our time. This is, the, this is the urgency of the hour. Oh my gosh, it's already 1030. I got, I got to stop right there. This, this is, I got next week's talk. So that's all you get to hear. I, guess I got 30 more, uh, 28 more, 20, 30. I have 32 more slides and I'm not going to rush through them because they're too good. Like I just did the math. I'm not boasting. Please hear me. I love you so much. I, so, so I guess today's talk was just, this is where we are. Okay, this is where we are. What are you going to choose? Are you going to choose in the grace of God, the way of wisdom? And even my wife and I had the talk last night. Like, you know, the, the, the reason why some of us are afraid to embrace the full truth of God's word is because we want to be loving. And I want to just declare, I hope a death blow from God's heart to that lie that you can't love truth and be loving. No, you can love the truth and be loving at the same time. It's called that's what God does. Yeah. How many know God is the unshakable truth and he loves sinners? Yeah. <laughs> Me and you and us and the world. So it's absolutely possible to live in tension with Christ is my Lord. Again, it goes back to Lordship. If he's my Lord, he calls the shots, not me. I'm following him. He's not following me and what I think is good. I'm on the way of the righteous because the righteous one is leading me in that way. And I have to follow the king. This is why it's so amazing in John 8, chapter 12. 8, chapter 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will never walk in darkness. How can you walk in darkness if you're following the light? God, no, that's not loving. That's not compassionate. That'll hurt. That's not, but that part of your truth, I'm not interested in. Boom, you're in darkness. We follow the king. We say, yes, Lord, it's possible to love your truth, not to erase large paragraphs, chapters, sentences of what you call wise, what you call righteous. I can love all that you are and said and do, and I can be loving, realizing none of us knows the way into any person's heart. And we all can just say amen to that. But there is one who looks down from heaven, Psalm 33, and he sees inside every person's heart on the planet. There is one who knows the way to every human heart. Amen. And I think many of us are discouraged because we we feel the burden to do the Holy Spirit's job. But how many know it is the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit alone that knows how to convict us of our sin? 
So Holy Spirit, we can love, speak truth, embody truth, encourage truth, and we can pray and believe. We can cast our bread. We can share. We can show. But we can trust that there is one who's been very, very good for like 2,000 years, how to draw people far from God to becoming close to God through Jesus Christ. We can trust him to do that. Even when it feels hopeless and helpless and despairing, we can trust the Lord. So this, this morning, as we uh, prepare the elements, if, if a few of us can get ready for that, we're going to take communion. It's an amazing time to take communion. Thank you, Lorraine, for ordering it. It's been a long time as we come to the table. What's incredible about the meal that we're about to share, you can just start passing them. It's great. We got very fancy trays for us. When we think about the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked, when we think about the way of trusting in man or the way of trusting in God and putting confidence in him. I'm just going to read a passage. Can I switch apps for you? Is it still on the screen? Just hold on. Lord Jesus, that's what I wanted right there. Yes. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Thank you, sweetheart. So here's what's amazing. So so I didn't get to do the whole talk, so next week's going to be great. Oh, next week's joint service. Maybe, maybe I'll do it online or we'll, I'll get to it. It's very good. I'm not rushing 32 slides. I just refuse. Um, We've been been talking about wisdom and wickedness, righteousness and wickedness. But look what Paul says. This is amazing as we come to the table of the Lord. I'll uh, unmute that so it'll feel more holy. Hold on. Go ahead. For the message of the cross is foolishness. Say foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us, it is the power of God. For it is written... Look at God. He's so ornery. I mean that in the most respectful way. He's so wise. He's not ornery. He's perfect. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligent of the intelligent. I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where's the teacher of the law? Greeks and Jews. Where's the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its own wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs, Greeks look for wisdom, but I hope you've heard this today and every Sunday, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. The foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. I just want to end it with this whole last paragraph. It's too good as we prepare for the bread and the wine. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you are wise, no offense, by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth, but God. Say, but God. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world, the despised things, the things that are not to nullify the things that are 
so that, say it with me, no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Read 31 with me. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You're holding in your hand and I'm holding in my hand. Foolishness to the world, but to God is the power of God. A crucified Jewish carpenter who through his death took away the sins of the world, rose triumphant, destroying the works of darkness, sin held death in the grave, that by trusting in him, you have everlasting life. But I want to encourage you. The foolishness of God is still smarter than the wisest of human wisdom. And the weakness of God, yes, even the weakness of a man hanging crucified is stronger than any human strength. And on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Take it and eat it in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread this morning. And it goes on to say, if you can open it, bless God. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, the third cup of redemption in that Paschal meal. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. So with gratitude and to glorify the one who gave it all so we could have it all. Let's drink from the cup of mercy this morning. And just because I'm so old school, um, and we'll just let's just hold that for one second. We'll just we'll pat, we'll, we'll uh, throw it away in just one second, just for a moment. Because I love to mark moments. This is not like you know high school camp, summer camp. But if you were marked this morning by you want to you want to come out of uh, any sense of despair or helplessness and hopelessness, and you want to be that rooted tree planted by streams of living water, because you want to build your life on the way that is revealed in the way, truth, and life of Jesus Christ. If just today you want a fresh resolve to respond to the reach of the righteous one, follow me. I became sin so that you could become my righteousness. And now I want to use you as an instrument of my righteousness in the earth. If you just want to say yes and amen to that, would you just stand on your feet? I want to pray for us as we mark this moment. You say, I want to walk in the way of the righteous. I do. I want to build my life on Jesus. And so God, I just thank you right now that you would mark our church as those who are those trees planted by streams of water. We do not want to buy real estate in the parched desert land where we're like that weed, that tumble of weed, whatever it's called. I just picture, Lord, we don't want to live that life. We want to be those trees that bear fruit for our families, for our children, for our neighbors, for our colleagues at work, and for the world. And Lord, you promise that those who abide in you will bear much fruit. And so today, Lord, if we have any roots that are drawing from the stream of death, would you sever those roots? Just take 10 seconds. If you're relying on something other than God, just confess that right now. Whatever it could be, your own wisdom, your own power, your own bank account, whatever it is, your pedigree, your name, I don't know. But just say, Lord, I want every root to be aiming at the stream that flows from you, God. Just 10 seconds. Come on. Thank you, Lord, for uprooting 
for severing, for pruning those things that we're drawing from that are not from you. And then can you just pray this simple prayer? Just say, Lord Jesus, I want to be rooted and established in you. You are my rock. You are my foundation. Your truth is the only truth that will set me free so that I can experience the fullness of your life, walk in your light and receive your love and release it to those around me. Fill me, Holy Spirit, with the grace of Jesus for such a time as this. I choose the way of the righteous. Let me love your word. Let me obey your word. And let me share your word with others. In Jesus' mighty name, we all said amen and amen. Love you guys so much. We'll see you this week. There's a trash can right here. If you, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Raphael. Thank you. If you want to get the teaching notes to look up the next week's talk, you can find them there. If not, come on up if you need prayer. I love you.